my friends, to the show that never ends. I'm glad you could attend. Come inside. Come inside. Come inside. Right now. You are listening to Let's Talk Hemp in the 422. I am your host, Morris Beagle. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Let's Talk Hemp in the 422, where every day is Earth Day. We're coming into this show a week out from the second annual Southern Hemp Expo, taking place in Franklin, Tennessee, about 30 minutes outside of Nashville, at the Williamson County Ag and Expo Park. The team behind getting this event together has been working diligently with our sponsors, exhibitors, and speakers to get everything in place for a spectacular second event, and we're excited to bring back Blue and Botanicals, based out of Knoxville, as our presenting sponsor. We also have Jen Canna, Hoban Law Group, and Lab Canna as premier leadership sponsors, along with a slew of other great companies who have hopped on board to make this another top-tier event in the hemp and cannabis space. We have some great speakers on deck, including funny car driver Matt Hagen, hemp author and farmer Doug Fine, retired professional athletes Matt Willem and Kyle Turley, along with industry stalwarts Colleen Kihei Lanier, Joy Beckerman, Janelle Ralph, and lobbyist Cindy Sovine. If you haven't got your tickets yet, I highly encourage you to get them ASAP, as both business conference and farm symposium tickets will sell out before doors open on Friday, September 6th. More information on tickets, programming schedules, speakers, exhibitors, and sponsors at southernhempexpo.com. I'm going to get my brother in hemp spirit, Rick Trojan, on the phone here, and we're going to bring on a guest from Season 1, Lorena Beltran, who is the organizer of Canna Salud in Mexico, and who will give us a thorough overview on everything happening south of the border. And with that, we'll be back with you in just a moment. Welcome back to Let's Talk Hemp in the 422, and this week we've got a repeat guest from last year, from season one. It's Lorena Beltran from Mexico, founder of Cannabis Salud, and welcome to the show, Lorena. Thank you. I'm so happy to be back on your show, Maurice and Rick. Thanks for the invitation. Absolutely. Always good to have you back. And we had the I had the good fortune of running into you. Uh, you actually noticed my pink sunglasses, I think, and I, and I saw you at the conference in New Orleans. And thank you for those sunglasses. Yeah. Yeah, so it was awesome. So we got to catch up for a moment um, before the conference got hit up. But lots of cool stuff to go over. You're still doing amazing things in the industry. So let's get right into it. So, you know... Here in the U.S., we passed the 2018 Farm Bill, making federally legal all cannabinoids and hemp, uh, which is 0.3% THC and less uh, on a dry weight basis. Mexico also passed a law, but then there was a little bit of a new administration, a new government came in, and so you're waiting to pass another law. So can you take us through what things look like from a legal and legislative perspective in Mexico right now? Yeah, sure. And congratulations on the farm bill. Uh, this is going to create uh, great things between, you know, Mexico and and the states. And, you know, let's see what happens. But Mexico right now, as you were saying, we passed a law in June of 2017. And this law uh, says that we can import cannabis products with less than 1% THC. 
and and this is part of this regulation of hemp, right? Anything with less than one percent THC is considered hemp or uh, hemp derived products, and there are different categories as supplements, herbal remedies, cosmetics pet food or, or pet products and food and beverages. And the law also allows us to do cultivation for research, only scientific purposes. So when this law passed, uh, the government uh, has 180 days to publish the regulation. So that didn't happen in those 120, 180 days. We had to wait probably another uh, five months to see a regulation. And this regulation was published in October of 2018 of last year. So when it was published, just a few companies were able to apply for an import permit. Uh, One of these companies I co-funded, which is Endonatura Labs. And when we got these permits, as soon as we got in in that month period when they were published, the new government came in. We had a new president. Everything changed. So they put the licenses on hold and they removed, pretty much erased the regulation that was published. So the new government, I think it was a, it was a good and a bad thing to do. I wouldn't just erase the regulation uh, just because they didn't want to do anything with the last government. If I was just to erase that regulation... That's fine, but just publish another one, right? Because we already have a law. Uh, that didn't happen. When did the new regulation, when did, I'm sorry, when did the new government come into power? They came in in December of 2018. So right away when this regulation was published. So they didn't give us the chance to really, you know, start the, the industry in Mexico um, legally. So then uh, we have this new government with a new law initiative, which is, better than the law of 2017. Why? Because it it would allow us to do national production, you know, cultivation, extraction, manufacturing, everything here in Mexico, and also import, export, not only for medical, uh, the medical industry, but also recreational and everything for the industrial hemp industry. So that's a very open law. So if that happens, uh, Mexico is going to be the third country to legalize at a federal level, not only medical, but recreational. So this law initiative is going to be voted this fall, either September, October, but they have to do it. They have to vote uh, just because the government has to regulate the jurisdiction that passed also in October of last year. So a lot of things happened between October, November, December of 2018. So the jurisdiction means that uh, five people went to the Supreme Court and they fought for their right to cultivate for personal use. So when you have five winning cases in the Supreme Court becomes jurisdiction. So now by law, you know, and by the saying of the of the Supreme Court, now the government has to come in and regulate the amount of plants, the number of plants that people can grow for personal use. It'll be based on plants, you think, or it'll be based on total weight, or how, how do they know how they're going to do that yet? Oh my God, uh, it's going to be uh, interesting because the the law initiative, as it is right now, they're still you know modifying a few things. 
hopefully uh, this part changes because they're saying that they're going to allow 20 plants in flower per person, per adult, for personal use. So, I mean, a lot of people are happy about that. It's really good. But I think it also will impact and, and, and continue to grow this black market, you know, because right now we do have that. Yeah. Uh, and we're trying to control it and also help small growers and, and small businesses to be legal and have licenses and, and thrive in their businesses, you know? So let, let's get into that. And that's something we touched on a bit in New Orleans last week, but uh, a bit in full transparency, everyone, we tried to uh, record this earlier today, uh, but I was at a bus station and the audio didn't work and there's some other stuff that happened, but we got to have some really cool conversations that I'm excited we can share, but essentially the black market in Mexico, right? For cannabis, disappeared and was replaced by poppies, right, in the last couple of years. So talk us through how that transition, what happened to the black market, how things look, and then we'll get into what, you know, your plan is or what the plan is to help the farmers uh, transition back into uh, cultivation. Right. So, you know, Mexico has been the biggest producer, I think, after uh, Marruecos. Marruecos? How do you say Marruecos in English? Morocco. Morocco. There you go. after Morocco, we were the biggest uh, producers of marijuana, right? So we have been growing this for many generations. We still grow it in, in our mountains, in the Golden Triangle, in the north part of Mexico, central south, Jalisco, Michoacán, Guerrero. You know, this plant grows everywhere in Mexico. So um, when the U.S. legalized, and now Canada, of course, this mark, this black market, you know, um, the profits for, for cannabis just went down. They went down probably like 70 80%. Nobody was buying our weed, our Mexican weed in the United States anymore, especially because it's outdoor growth, you know, that these farmers... Um, they are growing outdoors and they don't have a lot of um, technology or, or the technical knowledge to compete uh, with the products that you see in the States when it comes to flour, right? So no... Just, no just so we're clear, hang on, sorry, just so we're clear to the difference for the audience is when it comes to flour, the flour that grown outdoors, typical Mexican cannabis, right, would be, what would you say, Lorena, probably 12 to 15%. Total cannabinoids, maybe 18%. Yeah, exactly. Total cannabinoids, whereby the, the, the cannabis grown now for high CBD, high THC, those total cannabinoids on that flower can reach upwards of 25, 30%, 28, 30% even. So there's a lot, you get, it's essentially double the amount of cannabinoids produced pres- at present than would be produced outdoors naturally, right? With, with nature, without uh, additional inputs that, that aren't required to grow cannabis, but without, you know, different things, right? So you're yeah. looking at it, yeah. So, totally. okay. so go, sorry, go ahead. That's one thing. The other one, the other one is the packaging, you know, in order to transport and, and, and ship <laughs> the, the marijuana from Mexico to the States, you have to package it and press it in these horrible blocks and the whole aesthetic, the, the, the terpenes, everything, you know, disappears, it doesn't look good. <laughs> it doesn't taste good because also here, uh, a lot of the growers that have been doing this uh, use a lot of uh, pesticides and, and chemicals that we right. don't want in this plant. So 
obviously all you know profits went down 80 percent we'll say and then they started growing poppy as you mentioned you know to to make uh heroin and that was their next business because again these farmers are just trying to survive and give their families something to eat and they're not willing to move to the city why would it you know they they were born there so they started growing puppy and also that price of puppy of heroin went down because we have now a new drug which is fentanyl um how do you call it in the states fenfen fenfen so fenfen yeah so now that's the same drug that that's the same drug that killed that was found in the blood of prince uh, when he died and Tom Petty when they died um, it's a horrible drug. Uh, last year. It's horrible. Yeah, it's, 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 it's deadly. It's deadly. It's cheaper to produce than, than heroin and you sell it. You make so much profit out of it. So now uh, it's stronger. Yeah, it's stronger. And, it's stronger. And the farmers that first were growing cannabis, poppy, now they are in these little labs in the mountains making fentanyl, you know, so receiving it from China here processing putting more chemicals in it i don't know what and then you know send it somewhere else so that's what they're doing to survive right now so and 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 there's a lot of people that or there were originally growing cannabis so we want these people to go back to the roots to grow marijuana now in the legal space so um the good thing about our new government is that they're going to legalize this with the pri- their priority and their objective is to end with violence and with this black market and, of course, end the drug war. We're so tired of it. It's been going on forever. And we have the example of Colombia that they legalized two years ago. They, we had a similar story you know in the drug war and all these things and 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 it's working for them you know they're helping their communities and stuff so we want to do the same in mexico um of course it's it's a different situation than any other country because we still have drug wars uh in -hmm. colombia they're already like kind of fading it's not like back in the day with pablo escobar and all these things uh in mexico it's still uh you know there's a lot of violence uh, around drugs still here in Mexico. So this is going to be the first step, you know, to legalize all drugs. The government wants to legalize all drugs to end with all this violence in Mexico. And there's a couple of plans the government has, but but let's talk through, I mean, just to go back to the kind of the, the, the layout there, right? The landscape in Mexico. Um, obviously you have the cartels running a lot of the cannabis production at the time. They've moved over to poppy right for opioids for obvious economic reasons uh and then they created a more a stronger opioid right um as well right in their whole research and, and r&d of the poppy seed right so the government uh, essentially facilitated that and there's a lot of corruption throughout the government that's, that's very blatant right is that a fair thing to say much more blatant than it is here in the states right as far as people saying you know do we have you know what's our cut or what's this or how how do we get a piece of that is that more is that that's kind of the cost of doing business in Mexico to some degree. Is that accurate? Yes, that's accurate. Uh, also, the level of corruption here, it's ridiculous. Um, you know, when when I talk to um, business people here in Mexico, entrepreneurs, you know, that are trying to get into the emerging cannabis industry in Mexico and and trying to invest all kinds of money when we don't even have a, a regulation yet, but you know they're trying to get ready. 
it's like they they think it's very easy just to say okay well we're gonna we're gonna help the farmers we don't want to grow we'll just help them we'll provide you know seeds and technology and and technify the fields or whatever and and let's make it happen well guess what it's not that easy because it's not going to be a direct relationship to the farmer there's a group in between right which are these organized groups we call narco so it, there's a difference in mexico we have the narcos and we have the organized crime the organized crime they don't really um grow anything or 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 touch uh the plants or whatever they're just uh taking advantage of the publicity that the narcos have even on on this TV series, you know, Netflix and whatever. So they take advantage of this bad image on the narcos so they can do other crimes like um, doing like kidnapping and extortions and like the really violent stuff. That's what the the organized crime does. But then we have the narcos that are these groups that have been working with the farmers directly for many generations, providing for them, making sure, you know, they're eating and they have somewhere to live so they can continue to grow or whatever. And uh, when you go into these fields, because we still have, you know, marijuana grows in Mexico, of course, a lot of them stop growing, but we still have some. Uh, We have thousands of hundreds of thousands of victors still uh, with cannabis here. And when you go and talk to these farmers here, they'll tell you, you know, I work for these people because they do take care of me. The government has uh, not even come here to help us. You know, they, they're, they're forgotten. The government don't, they, they're not there to help. So even the farmers protect these groups that we call narcos, right? So there's a, a, a very interesting dynamic that we're going to have to harmonize so we can all work in this industry because these business people have it, you know, all wrong. They think they're just going to go straight to the farm and that's not going to happen. You cannot just erase these groups that have been there forever. Yeah, and there's there's systems that are already in place. And Morris and I talked about this just before uh, we got on for you know, onto this, uh, this interview, but it, there's already a system in place, right? And that system is broken. I think we all agree whether you're in Mexico or in the U.S., right? And that slowly has to be dismantled. Um, but I think, uh, I think it's interesting that narcos kind of were the providers and the caretakers, and they essentially assigned what farms were going to grow. So when they transferred to Poppy, the narcos would then take that product and then facilitate that transaction, I'm assuming. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I think... Let's talk about the, the other part I want to bring up was the um, let's talk about the amnesty that the the farmers are getting in Mexico as an incentive to come back to cannabis cultivation. Right. So uh, even the president in in one of his last conferences that he spoke about the the regulation on cannabis, and they were asking him, you know, what's going to happen, you know, with these groups and people that still grow or have been growing it. He's like, there's going to be an amnesty. You know, everybody's going to be able to come in these regulated markets. Uh, they're actually saying that they're going to be priority when it comes to licenses and stuff to these groups because he says, we don't want any problems. We just want peace and we want to, uh, everybody to be able to work in peace. We don't want violence. If we're doing this, is because of that. We want to end violence. We're going to negotiate and, and let everybody work. Uh, as long as you're only doing that, right? Okay, let, come 
to the legal market, but stop growing puppy or shut down your labs where you're doing fentanyl, just focus on cannabis. Otherwise, you're not part of the, of the game. I love it. I love it. I, I, I think that's great. So I think it's interesting how Mexico and the U- United States government are handling or taking a completely different approach to cannabis regulations, right? So in the U.S., for example, the farm bill, the original bill wanted a lifetime ban on, on any drug felonies. Uh, so you had a lifetime ban from the cannabis space, including hemp, right? So if you got caught for selling weed in the 70s, right? You would have a lifetime ban on being able to be involved in the cannabis and hemp space. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it was cre- it's super crazy. It doesn't make any sense, right? It's the only, I mean, really, yeah, it's one of the only industries that they, they have that kind of, yeah. Anyways, they didn't go through. We got um, Vote Hemp, HIA, and some other groups got McConnell down to a decade of prohibition. So it's still crippling to the industry because unlike Mexico, Right. We're prohibiting that knowledge and that IP, that intellectual property from impacting positively our, our industry as we grow. Right. We're, we're, we're prohibiting them from, from being part of the industry. Well, in Mexico, you guys chose the other path, which was, I think, a better course of action. You're not only going to not prohibit them from the industry, but you're going to incentivize them to farm and become and become cannabis experts. You're going to incentivize them to get back to what they were doing because they already have the knowledge of how to do it best. Um, they've grown it for hundreds of years. There's a normal agricultural crop, obviously controlled by the cartels or the narcos. Uh, throughout Mexico, they've grown this. And rather than stop the IP from impact, positively impacting the industry, which is what we did here in the States, Mexico granted amnesty from prior criminal activity related to cannabis, which I think is, is amazing. And I think it's going to help you guys position Mexico. Yes. And listen to this other one. Uh, also, once this law is voted and it passes... They're not even going to wait for the regulation to let people out of jail for possession. And they said there's already, uh, they counted around 100,000 people in prison that are going to go out right away. That's great. Huge. Yeah, that, that's huge. You know, that's very, very important for us. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we're, we have a lot of faith in, in this new government when it comes to the cannabis regulation. Uh, there are a lot of groups that are really uh, pushing for this, doing great lobbying and activism. I couldn't be more happier and proud of, of the groups, you know, that are uh, focusing on social justice, on the farmers, on, on guiding these business people and the investment to go to the right projects, you know, because right now, we do need to start a lot of pilot programs that we are presenting to the government to start, you know, growing hemp uh, with the farmers and and everything that they have already, you know, that's growing already, but it's full of pesticide and it's not for human consumption. Uh, you know, start teaching them and helping how to build their own houses and and you know, starting doing the simple things you can do with industrial hemp. Uh, we already had a few meetings with the agricultural department. It's like starting uh, from zero with them, just with the education, you know, learning about all uh, the uses of, of industrial hemp mainly, you know, because even though the government is very optimistic and trying to help and, and, and include everybody, at the end of the day, uh, the first few years, uh, we have to see how all these groups are going to react. You know, not everybody's just going to agree and, and and start doing whatever the regulation says. We're going to have people that are going to go against it, you know, like like everywhere. Um, 
but yeah, it's just very interesting to see, you know, and help the farmers start growing industrial hemp and that this will bring uh, more uh, security. They're going to be safer this way as well. You know, as we just, okay, start growing just marijuana again. And, and, and we think that's going to be a little bit more uh, complicated and, and not as safe as just starting with industrial hemp. You know, we have different ideas and projects that we're trying to implement that uh, we're, we have this faith that it's going to work. You know, I think Mexico, it's going to position itself as one of the leading countries in, in the world, you know, when it comes um, mainly to industrial hemp. And, and I agree. I think I think uh, just based on what we've talked about today, you guys are in a great position. And that 1% THC uh, for hemp-derived products is also a huge, uh, huge positive for you guys. But I guess let's talk quickly um, on you're doing a ton of new stuff uh, this year. We, like we said, we talked last year. Where are you at with your businesses and your nonprofits? And and going to give us an update on what's going on and how things are, are going and what's new. Sure. Uh, we are very excited that we're going to uh, soon announce the new uh, Mexican uh, Cannabis Industry Association. Asociación Mexicana de la Industria del Cannabis. And uh, through this association, we are presenting all these projects to the government, doing lobbying and all these things. We have been doing it for years, but now uh, it's going to be through this association where everybody's going to be included from the smallest company to the biggest company. And uh, our first project through the association it's to start a national educational campaign uh we're gonna do the official press conference in july so you guys are gonna hear about this uh we're doing alliances with other associations like the association in colombia hopefully ncia and other associations around the world because we need a lot of support um right now to get this started and doing this educational campaign to prevent you know the the younger crowd, the teenagers to consume cannabis at this age, you know, because the president, it's really, uh, they're also doing an educational campaign through the government. They already have a budget for this. Uh, they really want to start this before they finish the regulation and, and we have uh, everything ready to go, uh, which is very, very important. So we're going to support the government with private investment through the association uh, to do this campaign. This is going to include workshops for the media, for health professionals, you know, um, everything around education. So we're very excited about that. And then uh, along with the educational um, programs, we have Cannabis Salud, which uh, I co-funded with my friend Jasmine. She's in California three years ago. This is our third edition, and it has been a great educational platform for health professionals. This is uh, medical-oriented. Uh, it's uh, October 31st and November 1st in Mexico City, uh, the convention center inside the Spanish hospital. It's a big health institution. So doctors uh, join us, you know, and, and feel in their environment and come to learn. And we're still, you know, trying to break this negative stigma, you know, in Mexico. We have a we're very conservative, you know, our religion, Catholics, um, everywhere, uh, even our president now uh, becoming part of a, a Christian group. So it's just it religion still plays a big, big, big role in Mexico. So going through all of that, breaking all those stigmas, you know, it, it's it's taking us some time. 
But uh, thanks to events like Cannabis Salud, you know, we're, we're helping, we're putting our little seed to make it happen. We also have Expo Weed Mexico in, in um, also 30 and 31st of August. Uh, Expo Weed is more like a cultural event, you know, more festival, music, and that you can see the real Mexican cannabis culture through Expo Weed. And um, yeah, so those are the main events happening this year. And yeah, I'll be uh, posting more about the association so you guys can just support us, please. Yes, and kind of salute. It is that's fantastic. Congratulations on your third year. So, uh, Rafael Michelon is going to be there. Do I understand to speak? And your partner country is Israel for this year, right? For the R and D they're doing there. That's correct. Yeah, there are a lot of uh, different groups of doctors that are starting to do uh, research because. In the law of 2017 allows any research with cannabis and we don't really need a regulation for that as long as we have this uh, permit from COFEPRIS, which is the Mexican FDA. And uh, big universities like the UNAM, the National University of Mexico, already turned in a protocol uh, for research. So we started to move forward in cultivation and uh, for research and clinical research in Mexico. So, yeah, that's that's the focus of Cannabis Salud, you know, just to bring all these doctors together and researchers and, and learn from the best. We're bringing, I don't know, like six, seven speakers from Israel. A few from Canada, the United States, Colombia, um, Spain, Australia. So uh, we try to make it very diverse because we need our, our, our people here in Mexico to understand that this is happening all around the world, you know, not only here in the States. This is happening everywhere. So that really opens their minds. So you, you've got an amazing lineup of folks that are coming out for this. And I'm Pretty sure last year that you put this on hempevents.org. We've got our calendar with all the events that we basically give stamp of approval to. So make sure that you get that listed on hempevents.org and let us help promote that. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Let's do that. All right. So let's let's talk about we we I want to talk about uh, before we get into Southern Hemp Expo and NOCO. Uh, let's talk a bit about. MJ Biz Next, which is the MJ Business Conference and Hemp Conference, two different conferences in New Orleans, uh, where, where I had the privilege of running into you. So how, how was this event? Were you, you were there um, just networking? Were you exhibiting? What, what role were you there? I was just networking, um, you know, spreading the word about Cannabis Salud and also, you know, trying to help companies understand the, the legal scenario in Mexico because... For me, it's very unfortunate that uh, companies, I don't even want to mention names, but that came to me and say, hey, I paid a consulting firm in Mexico or I paid this lawyer because they promised me uh, to get these import permits for my products and I paid uh, half a million dollars and I haven't seen any permit and and I'm like, and you're not going to see it. You know, it, it's really sad that you're... Um, that people are investing in people that are not honest. And unfortunately, that's happening everywhere. Uh, Latin America, be careful. So I just want to make sure, you know, we don't, Mexico doesn't, it's not, we don't have this bad image when this is just barely starting, you know? So 
you're providing this consulting service to the companies and be very transparent and honest and say, hey, if you're going to invest in Mexico, this is going to take a while. You know, it's like any other country. You have a regulation, but until that regulation takes effect and you get the ball rolling and everything starts working smoothly, it takes years. So um, if you want to invest, is because you understand what being a pioneer is. You have to be very patient put your money with organizations and associations that are doing the right thing that eventually going to lead you uh, to a good business, you know, because we want every, everybody to thrive and, and make sure we're helping each other. So that's also what I did in, in MJ Best, talking to a few companies that are already trying to invest in Mexico. So guide them through through the light. No, for <laughs> sure, for sure. And you're absolutely right. I mean, Cannabis Salud has been there for this is, again, your third year. The events like NOCO and Southern Hemp Expo, right, have been around for now it's going on seven years, right? So really helping to understand where your information is coming from and the right information and accurate information. And really those the speakers at these conferences and, and the people that are exhibiting really have a lot of the, they've been vetted already um, and they have, they have real uh, value to add to the conversation, right? A real knowledge to, to help educate the people correctly. So I think that's fantastic what you're doing. Yeah, and then I don't know if you remember the story of Aurora, Aurora Cannabis. Tell our um, listeners. Public company in Canada, right? So uh, they came to Mexico and they tried to invest in this one of these companies that got the import permits and they closed the contract, made a deal even before they had the permits in their hands. So this, those permits are still, still on hold. When Aurora published the news, you know, saying we're doing this in Mexico when it wasn't really happening yet. So that, that created a, a really bad situation uh, between these companies, right? So uh, we don't want that to continue happening because we're talking about huge amounts of money you right. know, that uh, you need to just wait and just be patient. <laughs> right. Is Aurora still coming in? Do they still have the ability to work with this company and, and do what they were going to do? Or is that off the table now? Um, I think they they still want to do it. What they were upset about is because they made this they, this announcement public. And the licenses weren't there, uh, and I guess the Mexican company kind of promised something. And but I think that they're still gonna do it, you know, eventually. Because who doesn't want to be in Mexico? It's a huge market. You know, we have a hundred and thirty million people in this country. Uh, you can grow hemp uh, cannabis everywhere you're going to be able to export and have exterior growth all year round you know everybody wants to be here if you look at colombia it's full of canadian companies canada just went over there and established all their cultivation in colombia so imagine as soon as mexico opens it's like all right see you later colombia let's go to mexico <laughs> you know absolutely i mean it's becoming an, an international international uh i guess market right market and distribution and cultivation network yeah definitely and not only that not only the the, the growing the cultivation the outdoor but the the pharmaceutical industry in mexico it's huge we are on the top 10 countries in the world of uh manufacturing medicine and doing clinical research so um 
you know, that's going to happen here too. And, and the cost of a clinical trial in Mexico is nothing compared to what you pay in the United States. So we see a lot of companies like Aurora, like Tilray, Canopy already, you know, uh, doing their, their scouting and, and, and looking for this pharmaceutical companies here in Mexico. Yeah. So thanks for jumping in here with us. I know we tried to record this earlier today and and we had a little bit of technical difficulty, but I think this episode, at the bus stop. Yep, this episode I, we've got all clean tracks on it, and it's been a pleasure catching up with you and learning about all the exciting things that are going on in Mexico and what lies ahead. And we hope to see you out at Hemp on the Slope this summer. You said you're going to be in Colorado. Definitely, yes, I'm going to be there with you guys. Awesome. Pleasure talking to you guys always. Uh, thanks for the invitation. And please also join us in Mexico this year. Right on. Cannabis salute. Mi casa es tu casa. And gracias. <laughs> gracias, amigo. Thank you, Lorena. We'll talk soon. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. This episode of the 422 is underwritten by the Hemp Road Trip and HempEvents.org. Visit www.HempEvents.org for the best filtered listing of hemp-related events in the United States and abroad. And we're back at Let's Talk Hemp in the 422, and we just got done talking to Lorena. Man, she's got some stuff going on down there in Mexico, doesn't she? Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. And, and kind of like, you know, their stall technique was they had all these laws and regulations and everything put in place. And then they had an election and the new government said, no, let's stop all these regulations and everything stops. Let's put new regulations in place. So um, she was all ready to go under the old regulations. Sounds like she's ready to go under the new regulations as well. So very exciting for all the things she's doing down there. One thing I thought was, was interesting, a couple of things uh, we can call up, but just how differently the new Mexican government, right, is treating legalization of cannabis different from, how our government here in the States is treating it. I think the first one is like that lifetime ban on felons, right? There was originally a lifetime ban, and then we, we gathered the troops and got it to a 10-year ban on felons being in the hemp industry here in, in the States. Really, that prohibits a lot of IP or you know, intellectual property know-how from moving forward in the industry, while Mexico, on the other hand, they did the exact opposite. They, took, they removed all prohibition and they actually incentivized cannabis farmers to stay in the industry. Uh, by by giving them, you know, re, re, removing their um, their felon bans actually and actually engaging them. So that was really a real different uh, approach to uh, the industry from a government perspective. What do you think? Yeah, well, it sounds like exactly what one should do. And it sounds like Mexico is a lot smarter than the United States. Yeah, I mean, granting amnesty from prior criminal activity related to cannabis is much better than saying, oh, sorry, uh, this plant that was legal 10 years ago that we caught you you know, doing whatever with is legal now and we're still going to punish you for stuff that well, that should have been legal in the first place. It's pretty crazy, man. Yeah. Make America great again. Yes. And uh, yeah, right. So I, <laughs> I think via Mexico, right? So uh, at any rate, also, I thought it was interesting. We, were, we talked about the cartels, right? They're there in the cartels. And I saw this, I heard about this quite a bit kind of in Colombia as well when I was out there a few, few weeks ago. The Cartels have moved from cannabis, in large part, obviously, have moved from cannabis really to poppy production uh, for opioids. So they've actually moved, and as the opioid epidemic has moved through America, a lot of that production, right, has moved, has come from Mexico. 
which I think is absolutely crazy. Did you realize that? I didn't realize that. It was my understanding like Afghanistan's been the number one poppy exporter for the last 30 or 40 years, haven't they? Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. I think Afghanistan, as far as the, they're the number one producer of poppy, at least that we import here in the States, is my understanding. But I think the Mexican cartels, the Mexican farmers, rather, right, have been moved from cannabis to, to poppy. So I think production in Mexico in general has increased. I don't know what number they are on the, on the scale of, of exports, but a lot of that since, you know, a lot of the legalization of cannabis here in the States, that, that production has been localized, right? And now, now that uh, they've moved to poppy and they, it's just economics, right? Pure economic decision, right? Poppy produces Fin Fin, right? Which killed Prince and Tom Petty and was what well, was at least in their blood at their deaths. Again, an, F- an FDA approved product, Fin Fin, just so we're clear. Uh, and so um, it's interesting, again, the FDA is asking for approval of deaths from cannab- cannabis and cannabinoids, right, recently, but which, which is zero, but then they've legalized FenFen, right, which has killed lots of people, or at least been in their blood at death. So uh, it's pretty interesting how they dictate what is what they call a safe product and a not safe product. We'll have some of that, some of that review coming up at the Southern Hip Expo, won't we? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, it's all supply and demand, and we've got a big demand here in the United States for opioids. Yeah, and I think we should get this. I like this. What do you think about this? Like hashtag the wrong oid or just wrong oid, right? It's not an opioid. It's a cannabinoid. Cannabinoids are safe and they help, right? I mean, you can't overdose from it physiologically. A zero deaths from a natural compound. It shouldn't really require approval, and it hasn't ever required approval of a government arm like Big Pharma or the FDA. But it, it uh, for some reason, now people are, are waiting for that approval. So. Again, it's been safe. Uh, what, what do we say? Stop being dumb. Learn together. Educate yourself. Uh, and just really help move this forward with, with solid information and good education that, you know, this plant has been used for thousands of years and in all different forms. And so uh, it's it's all safe. And so there's been no evidence of, of anything else uh, other than that. Right? Right. You know, it's funny that I just that heard this week, it just came out that their big study was done about vaping. It's kind of off topic right here. Mm-hmm. But, so now there's like the first confirmed death from vaping yeah. that just came out in the news. And I'm like, okay. And then there's like 140 cases of people having adverse reactions to vaping. It's like, okay, well, how many adverse reactions or death happened last year from Tylenol or from a flu shot or from a number of other things. I mean, so we've got one death that's now been attributed to vaping after 20 years or so, however long the industry has been around. Yeah, Why would you make right? a deal of that? Well, I mean, so, so I'm just looking this up right now. And according to WebMD, uh, first person to die from severe lung injuries related to vaping, the center of disease control said, this was from August 23rd, 193 potential cases in 22 states of people diagnosed with lung injuries None has been identified as vaped, but all of them vaped. Patients said they recently vaped marijuana or other products that contain THC news, but they had not established the particular products. So they don't know what the particular products. They're trying to blame it. They're saying marijuana or other products that contain THC. Also, e-cigarettes, aerosol, lead, ultrafine particles, vaults, organic compounds, and cancer-causing chemicals. So I love that they just threw THC in there for no reason, but... Well, there's a reason they threw it in there. So from yeah, but you're not dying from THC, so they're trying to say THC. No, they threw it in there just so they would throw it in there, so it's out there. Correct. Yeah, that's a good. Thank you. Good point. So we've got one death that potentially has something to do with vaping that they found over the last twenty years. 
It's right. amazing. Right. And but vaping is FDA approved. Let me see. Is it, say, is it FDA approved? They singled out Juul, whose vaping pods contain as much nicotine as a pack of cigarettes. Holy cow, man. Did you know that? According to WebMD, a, a single Juul cartridge, a pod, right, contains as much nicotine as a pack of cigarettes. That's like a lot of nicotine, isn't it? I guess. I don't know. I don't smoke nicotine. I don't either. Past two years. Yeah, that's wow. Yeah, I don't smoke nicotine, but that seems like, I mean, that's a pack of cigarettes in a pod. I mean, you can go through those pods pretty quickly. I don't know. People smoke two, three packs a day, or they used to. I don't know if they still do. That's true. My grandmother, back in the day, uh, would smoke like, uh, like yeah, two or three packs. I like that Paul Mall, that like red tarry, like, you know. I know that my dad smoked those and my dad is dead now. Yeah, my grandma's like, too, but she actually, what did he die from lung cancer? No, he died because of hardening of the arteries. So it was really a combination of smoking, drinking, eating poorly lifestyle, but the smoking two packs a day and just that, that was really the catalyst for his hardening of the arteries. And it just finally put him out. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's my grandma went, she went down and then got, I didn't know this at the time, but addicted on the opioid side and it just went down that way. So it was just crazy. So yeah, man, no, no good deal with the uh, nicotine, but uh, yeah, so they don't really know, but that's interesting. One death, but yeah, according to, I mean, there, there are drugs I'm sure that have gotten, actually there were, um, for the, I was looking this up the other day and GW Pharma, there were seven people during their trials that I think had died, but none of those deaths was related to the actual drug itself. Um, so even though, you know, even in trials, right, or drug drug trials when things people can die and still get approved, um, obviously not from the actual drug itself in this case. But interesting, buddy. I don't, you know, it's uh, it's not as crystal clear out for our safety as it seems to be on, on the surface. Okay, so I just looked this up. About 150 Americans die every year from from Tylenol or whatever the active ingredient in Tylenol is. So there you go. Wow. Yeah, remember we had those PSAs. I think it was NoCo three. We had the PSAs that said cannabis or cannabis. I think safer than than water, right? Safer than baby than child toys because like ninety three kids die of suffocation from their toys or something a year. And they did that whole thing. I think that's through the the Hemp Connoisseur yep. magazine back in the day. Remember that all those all those PSA mocks. It's uh, again safe. It's we kind of digress, but safe. Here and I'm glad they're going to have some exposure there in Mexico, uh, thanks to what Lorena is doing and, and the group she's working with. I'm really helping get that country going, and, and the, it seems like their government is much more behind it than um, the government to the north, above the wall. Above the government. wall. Above the wall. Below the wall, above the wall. Arriba, abajo. That's what we're going to have to do, dude. When we're in Spain in a couple of weeks, we're going to have to say, like, above and below, and I just said that for you. So above and far below. What's that? Exactly. As it is above, so somebody, it is below. Is that a real thing? I, I just totally know. just like does somebody that a real jumped thing? on a post I made with the Southern Hemp Expo poster and and said, "Oh, that art is as above, so below. It's new agey. It's um, I don't know, all kinds of crazy bullshit." <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah, that's a good. That's whoever who did that. That's a really uh, good guy piece out of, of Nashville, design guy that Cecily connected us with and yeah he did it he did a really good job yeah i'm impressed really good at it people and get a little too cray cray on the uh on the facebook oh, stuff you know exactly what i mean what you mean so yeah it's a little crazy by the way just so we have this on at the whole thing this morning was the um giving back to charity so it was the right post but i took it down but it was about giving back to charity which i think everyone has an obligation to do so that was the, the oh, thumbs up that's all give back to charity 
Yes, that's uh, exactly. That was the point. It wasn't whatever else was fucking going on. I didn't read the 83 post before. I just thought, oh, give back to charity. I was like, that's a good idea. Um, but then whatever. Okay, so, give back to charity and be nice. People planet profits the whole thing. It's not all about, uh, you know, people are getting blinded by the cash, I think, and people are getting lied to about how much their companies are worth. We had a farm the other day, dude, we saw it that got, uh, they hadn't even started production. They were already saying the farm was worth $12 million and it was only 100 acres. And I was like, guys, this doesn't, this doesn't make sense to you. Like, let's be realistic. Yeah, so it's, uh, people are I was crazy involved there, in an investment conference on Thursday, an invest-a-pitch thing, and had five people basically come through and give me their three minute elevator pitch. And then I could respond for three minutes. And it, it was an interesting thing to hear these companies that were selected kind of pitch about what they were looking for and how much they thought their companies were worth. And based on the revenues they've done thus far, which virtually none of them had any revenues, but yet they're all valuing themselves between 5 million and $50 million. And I'm like, Hmm, Something just doesn't add up on a lot of this stuff. Yeah, I mean, like everything. <laughs> There's no math here. Like the something you're talking about is everything, like from the value to like it's like what you have, what, huh? It's crazy. But that, yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 a wild scene. How how did that go? What were some interesting takeaways? Oh, it was good. I think the the overall intention of bringing people together. I think a lot of these people that pitched learned a lot, and. It shows, I mean, we certainly need investment money coming into the industry and we need to have really good, smart people and innovative ideas funded. So it, it was good to go through the process and be, I was a, a mentor and NOCA was a sponsor of this thing. And I'm glad that I participated. I think that the organizers of this, the hemp business advisors are very processes and and business driven and i think that a lot of people can benefit from groups like this that are that do business coaching and and can really help get certain things in place for a lot of these businesses that are trying to do farming or farming and processing or genetics farming and processing and and they've got good ideas but their business savvy and how to put all of it together and actually be prepared and to, to pitch this, they need a lot of work. So it was good to see the the variance between different groups trying to find money and the strengths and the weaknesses. And I learned from myself, you know, as somebody who's got a whole bunch of business interests and we've looked for funding in the past. And right now we really haven't been looking for anything because we don't need to at this point for at least the event side of things. And it was just interesting to see how people pitch their stuff. Again, I learned stuff and I think that they got good feedback from the group that was there providing feedback. So it was all good. Who won? Actually, I don't know if I can really say at this point. We can talk about that off air. They walked away with cash prizes. They also walked away with uh, consulting services and if nothing else, I think that it was beneficial for everybody that was there. Speaking of cash prizes, there is a Hair Foundation, a newly formed 501c3 nonprofit education foundation uh, after Jack Hare called the Hare Foundation. And they are having a $2,000 purse on October 4th in uh, Santa Clarita, California at the Jack Hare inaugural golf tournament. So, uh, get a hold of us. Uh, you can also go to jackhairgolf.com. There's lots of sponsorships available. Uh, so come out and uh, take advantage of that $2,000 purse, just like you can win it at uh, 
a business event, you can also win it at a business event and raise money for a good cause. So uh, jackherrigolf.com, give them a shout out. We're going to hit that up, right, Morris? We'll be out there. I already booked my hotel room. Holy cow, look at you already on top of it. This is Mr. Like, Travel Ranger. I like I it. I know. Well, I'm going to be out there the weekend before because Sammy Hagar's got a big party that's going on in Huntington Beach, and there's all kinds of 80s bands on that. Saturday and Sunday, it's like whatever, the September 28th and 29th, that weekend before. So we'll be throwing down with Sammy Hagar and Steel Panther and a bunch of 80s butt rock bands. Nice. Cool. <laughs> All right. Well, that was a good episode with Lorena today and let's get this thing wrapped up and we're going to get a little bit more regular here when it comes to doing our podcast, aren't we, Rick? We've been a little irregular, right? But thankfully, uh, we can be, get more regular. So we've stopped eating hemp hearts. We can now get a little more regular, I would like to say. Yeah, you know what? It, Clean Remedies is going to be back at She, uh, Matt the football player you remember they had the uh it was kind of like the hemp infused metamucil last year what was it it was uh it was like a laxative thing to keep you regular okay don't you remember that i thought that you were you actually were raving about it when you saw it at their booth probably probably kept me regular it probably did so yeah with all that southern food it probably saved the day so uh hooray hemp metamucil that's it cannabinoid driven and it's the the thing it's called the thing it's called clean remedies that's the name of their brand is clean remedies and it's for to clean your remedies that's to have clean remedies and clean out the system respect yeah well you'll be doing the moderating for that panel with with matt and now kyle turley's gonna be on there and we still gotta see uh, about getting somebody else i don't know if riley's gonna be able to make it or not we gotta talk to riley but It'd be good to yep. get in there too. Well, we're, we have an upcoming podcast, so let's talk to him then. Yep, let's try to do that. Perfect. All right, brother. Let's close this down and uh, and uh, get down to uh, get back to uh, work. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Lorena. All righty. The best way you can support the show is to share this with your family, friends, and colleagues. Don't miss the opportunity to learn more about this podcast at letstalkhemp.com. And if you enjoyed the show, feel free to subscribe and leave us an iTunes review. Thanks for listening. See ya. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey friends, I'm Brandon and I'm Saba and we are your host of the Cannabis Hangout podcast, an educational platform to connect with the cannabis community and share personal stories while breaking the stigma of marijuana. Join us every Sunday at 7 p.m. to gain valuable insight with different perspectives from industry leaders, growers, and medical marijuana patients. This is a place to learn so much from different angles in the cannabis industry. So tune in while we break it all down.